NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And I'm Paddy Hirsch. And this is Indicators of the Week. That's right. As always, we've got three numbers from the news which have caught our eye. My indicator today is related to the Supreme Court's decision in the affirmative action case on college admissions. I will be talking about how the recent Wagner rebellion did something to the Russian ruble that we haven't seen in nearly 15 months. And lastly, we'll be joined by a special guest who's going to bring a little fun and tell us about a big video game release this year and what it says about the billion-dollar video game industry. I'm hoping that he's going to talk a little bit about Pac-Man, Adrian, or my favorite (laughs) Space Invaders. Wow, a throwback, Patty. I'm kicking it old school over here. We'll have all of that after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor LiveRight, publishers of Left for Dead. Shipwreck, treachery, and survival at the edge of the world by Eric J. Dolan. The true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812. Available wherever books are sold. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Your employees are more than your coworkers. They're the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers modern group benefits designed to protect employees and their families with dental, vision, life, and disability coverage. Humana knows every employee and every business is unique. That's why they listen to your needs and build plans with you and your team in mind. That's the power of human care. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com slash NPR. All right, Indicators of the Week. Adrian, you've got our first. That's right. So my, uh, my indicator is related to the Supreme Court's big decision on Thursday in an affirmative action case. And in that case, the court ruled that schools can no longer consider a student's race as part of their admissions process. They say that's unconstitutional. And what we have now is supporters celebrating because they say college admissions should not consider race at all and that admissions should be all about merit, by which they mean things like grades and test scores. That makes merit sound like a kind of a loaded term to me. Oh, yeah, definitely in the context of admissions, merit is definitely a loaded term. Critics of this decision would say that admissions at highly selective schools has never really been a pure meritocracy. Historically, schools have deliberately excluded women and racial minority applicants. And today, there's even a common practice that a lot of people say is not meritocratic, which involves schools giving a preference to candidates with family ties, you know, what are often called legacies. So these are maybe applicants who've got like a parent or a grandparent that went to that school. Exactly. And, and this legacy label can actually make a huge difference in a person's chances of getting in. And just for example, there was a study last year published in the Journal of Labor Economics, which looked at Harvard admissions. And what these researchers found was that legacy applicants, you know, those with some family tie to the school, those applicants were about six times as likely to be admitted compared to those who were not legacies and, and didn't have those connections. So that is my indicator for the week, six times. Six times? That is a staggering amount. I mean, it's not a guarantee of admission, but that is quite a bump. Uh, And critics of this practice say it also tends to favor applicants who are white and from wealthy families. And so this study also found that 70% of legacy admits were white and 40% of legacy admits have parents that made over a half a million dollars a year, which puts them in the top 1% income bracket. 
So the legacy issue is kind of one of the big things that's kind of skewing university education towards the rich and well-off. Yeah, that is, I think, what a lot of people would say. And it's not just Harvard that does this. Legacy preferences are a thing at a lot of private colleges and even some public schools. And in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision yesterday, I think we're going to see a lot more attention paid to this practice. And, you know, even President Biden, after the Supreme Court announced this decision, he said he's going to order the Department of Education to take a look at legacy admissions. Okay, Patty, what is your indicator? My indicator of the week is 87, and that is how many rubles it would have taken you to buy a single U.S. dollar earlier this week. That's a 15-month low against the dollar for the ruble. And uh, can you remember, Adrian, what was happening around 15 months ago in the Russian economy in March of 2022? There were many economic sanctions leveled against the Russian government, right? That is exactly right. Russia invaded Ukraine for the second time on February the 24th last year. The US, Europe and other nations almost immediately began putting sanctions in place and kept on doing so right through the month of March. Right. This is what President Biden was talking about when he said in a speech that the idea was to reduce the ruble to rubble. That was the idea. And, you know, for a second there, it looked as though that might happen. On March the 11th of last year, the value of the ruble fell so low against the dollar that it cost 134 rubles to buy a single greenback. But then something weird happened. The ruble recovered very quickly. Within six weeks, it was worth more than it had been before sanctions were imposed. By July of last year, it was the strongest it had been against the dollar since 2018. So this was kind of a thumb in the eye for sanctions. But over the last year, the ruble's been sliding. And this week, it's really taken a hit. Okay, and this is because of this near rebellion by the Wagner Group that took place last weekend. Yes, the Wagner Group's march on Moscow. And the reaction to that from the Kremlin and the follow-on from that have made the ruble even more volatile than it was already. And investors are now making the point that it is instability in Russia that is the biggest factor here. They say that sanctions have had some effect and will continue to bite over the long term if they stay in place and are enforced. But Russia has done a really good job of cutting itself off from the global economy. It's also found all sorts of ways to get around sanctions. So what really affects the ruble now is not external pressure from the US and other nations. It's actually internal pressure from factions inside Russia and the political instability that we began to see signs of last weekend. Yeah, so much for sanctions. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Patty. You're welcome. Okay, and now for our last indicator of the week, we're bringing on a special guest, James Mastro Marino. He edits NPR's gaming coverage. And yes, we have gaming coverage at NPR. We have gaming coverage? Clearly, you're like coming from deep in this world. You're a lover of the video game genre. And you've got a gaming-related indicator for us. That's right. My indicator is over 3 million. Those are the newly released sales numbers for the video game Final Fantasy 16, which just came out last week. There are more of those than uh, Fast and Furious's. Oh, way more. And that's not even counting the spinoffs, Adrian. Don't get me started on that. (laughs) Okay. But 3 million, or more than 3 million, is a big deal for PlayStation. It makes it one of the most successful titles in this series that goes back to 1987. And it speaks to just how big of a year for games this has been. Just last month, we got another huge Legend of Zelda game. It sold 10 million copies in its first three days, making it the fastest-selling Nintendo game ever. I mean, a little bit of context, James. Uh, How does this compare to my favorite game, Space Invaders, from the (laughs) 80s? I can't tell you how many millions of Space Invader uh, arcade cabinets there are, but it's been a tremendously big year, and that's because... 
the pandemic really slowed production, like many industries that put a bottleneck on things. And on top of that, game developers don't want to ship buggy or broken games and get hit by a flood of bad reviews. That's happened before. It still happens. But some big developers have really recently deliberately slowed things down to make sure that games were perfect at launch. And so suddenly, this pipeline bursts in 2023. And it becomes this banner year where you get huge games connected to the Harry Potter and Star Wars franchises, as well as these remakes of classics like Resident Evil 4. And of course, Final Fantasy 16 and the new Zelda. And you might notice these are big franchises and most of them are sequels. Yeah, everything is a sequel, right? Even in <laughs> video games. I don't play a ton of video games. I mean, I dabble here and there, but I know it's a big business. Yeah, well, whether you're a gamer or not, the video game culture is permeating everything. I mean, just think about the Super Mario Brothers movie, the biggest box office event of the year so far. It made over $1.3 billion in gross sales worldwide. And then there are prestige series like HBO's The Last of Us, which actually follows the game it's based on very closely. So this is an industry that makes hundreds of billions of dollars each year, and big companies like Nintendo and Sony are multinational empires that are hoping to conquer even more of the media space. So like it or not, the video games are coming for you. Uh, thank you, James, for joining us. <laughs> thank you, Adrian. And a final note before we go, as we're waiting to see how the Supreme Court's ruling on affirmative action shakes out around the country, you can actually listen to a recent episode that we did about California's ban on affirmative action in the 90s how that affected students, and even the state's economy. You can find a link to that episode in our show notes. This episode is produced by Corey Bridges and engineered by Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez and edited by senior producer VLA. Kicking Cannon edits the show and the indicators are production of NPR. James, have you been sleeping at all in the past weeks or just playing video games? Let me tell you, when I was on the Final Fantasy 16 beat, that was my life. It was work <laughs> and then Final Fantasy and some sleeping and eating in between. You know what? We appreciate it for journalism. Yeah, I'll do anything for the network. <laughs> this message comes from NPR sponsor, American Express. Take your business further with the smart and flexible Amex Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits that help unlock more value from your business purchases. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.